Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. My name is Eden Gray, and I'm here with my co-host, Carrie Green. And uh, we're really happy to have uh, some special guests on the podcast today, so we'll get right to it. Today we have two very special guests with us on the Books and Bites podcast. Um, They are going to be talking about uh, another book club that's starting at the library and some more book recommendations for us. And we have Melissa Colston and Juliana Gaddis. First, we're going to hear from Melissa. Uh, Melissa is our reference librarian for us, and she's going to be starting a new book club. Tell us about that. So we'll be starting the book club at the Jessamine County Library on May 23rd. We'll be our first meeting in quite some time. Um, we'll be reading The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. We will be meeting in the conference room, the Davis conference room, and we will also be providing refreshments. Great. So I haven't read The Handmaid's Tale. Have you read it before? I actually haven't read it before, um, but it is kind of a hot title right now, um, partially because there is a new Hulu series starting up with um, all kinds of big name um, actors and actresses, and it's starting on May... April 26th is the first, or maybe when it's being released. I'm not sure exactly, but um, there's kind of been a resurgence in it, so I thought it might be a good time to read it. Yeah, I think that that seems like a classic that we should all try to read, and it'll give you a little bit more to discuss. You can compare it with the TV series in the the book. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion happening around it lately. Um, The book itself is about a, a sort of dystopian society where Um, women are categorized by their fertility. Um, I haven't gotten very far in the book, but that, that's sort of where it opens up. And then they look back in the past and see how, how all of this came about. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Do you like it so far? Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very intense. I will put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. It'll keep us reading. Yes. Well, thanks so much for telling us about The Handmaid's Tale and about the book club um, that meets on, when is it again? May 23rd. It's a Tuesday and it'll be at 1 p.m. in the Davis Conference Room. Awesome. Well, we hope to see you there, Books and Bites listeners. Next, we're really excited to hear from Juliana Gaddis, who is a children's librarian here. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you do for the library, Juliana. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, So my role is that I'm the manager of the children's department. So um, I manage all the staff that work in the children's department, which includes the staff who cover the desk, um, a programming team, as well as an outreach team. And I do all the selection for new materials for the children's library, and that's my favorite part of my job. Yeah, it looks like you brought a lot of books here with you today. Um, so our topic for this month is poetry and the environment because we're celebrating National Poetry Month and Earth Day. So did you want to talk about a couple of the books that you brought? Sure, I can do that. Um, it's kind of hard to narrow down the selection because there is such a huge 
uh, collection that we have of great poetry books and also a lot of really interesting titles that um, talk about the environment and um, eco-friendliness and all those good things. So, But I did uh, pick a couple of my favorites. <laughs> I wish I could show you guys what her favorites are. She brought like a stack of books a foot high. <laughs> <laughs> but I could carry them all at once. So that was kind of my criteria for um, how many I could bring. If I could carry them, I was good. Um, so to cover the topic of poetry, my dad's very favorite poem is uh, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. So in memory of him, or in honor of him, I should say, I brought that particular poem, um, and it's done in a picture book style, and the illustrations are by Susan Jeffers, and it's very beautiful. It's just a very beautiful, soft, gentle poem. A lot of people, when they think of children's poetry, there's one name, one author that instantly comes to mind, and that would be Shel Silverstein, of course. He is a master of um, children's poetry, very, very funny poems. So we have a, a nice a selection or assortment of his books in the children's library, and we have them on display right now. So a lot of them have checked out, which we're very happy about. Um, but one book that I brought is Falling Up with poems and drawings by Shel Silverstein, and I'll read for you the, um, the title poem right inside the book. It's called Falling Up. I tripped on my shoelace, and I fell up, up to the rooftops, up over the town, up past the treetops, up over the mountains, up where the colors blend into the sounds. But it got me so dizzy when I looked around, I got sick to my stomach, and I threw down. Anyway, that's just a little play on words. <laughs> a lot of fun. It is fun. Another book that I really like is um, part of a, a set or um, uh, a collection of poetry called Poetry for Young People. It's a series. And this one is by um, featuring poems by Maya Angelou. And uh, it's just a selection of her poems that are really geared for a child audience um, or could be well understood by a child audience. And uh, she just has an amazing way with words. I know she's a very popular poet uh, for many people, a favorite. Another one that's kind of shown in a picture book style is called Step Gently Out. It is uh, by the poet Helen Frost, and the, it uses photography uh, by Rick Leader. And it is um, just very, again, a gentle poem. Talks about nature and wildlife and how uh, they emerge into the world. So that is one I definitely recommend. It's a great one for any age. Even a preschooler, I think, would enjoy um, being read that particular book. And the photographs in this are, they're all very close-up parts of insects and flowers, and it's totally different view on things that we don't usually get. And then uh, lastly, uh, another book. I've picked a lot of ones that kind of have a nature theme, uh, which goes well with Earth Day, um, but Poetries by Douglas Florian. And this particular book has a selection of poems that all uh, talk about trees in some way, shape, or form. And um, some are sh very short, like this particular one called Oak. From the acorn grows the tree slowly, slowly. And that is it. <laughs> uh, and then there are other poems nice. about trees that are quite uh, longer. It's just a really neat selection of poems featuring trees. And then um, some books that I really enjoy that talk about um, uh, the environment and being responsible for our resources, um, which ties well into Earth Day. Um, one of them is called The Honeybee Man, and it is in our picture book collection. It's by Leela Narji and uh, Kristen Brooker. 
And uh, it's a fictional story, but it's based on a true story about some men who um, cultivated bees and hives in Brooklyn, right in the middle of the city. And they would produce their own honey. Uh, They would can the honey or put it in jars uh, from what the bees created. But the, the book is about one gentleman who does the same. And it talks about the whole process for how honey is made, how honey is cultivated by the bees from the beginning all the way to the end. So it's a really great way for kids to see how the honey process works and um, that it can take place anywhere, even in the middle of a bustling city. Right. Yeah, that's really unusual. Another story that I like, which is more of a multicultural tale, is called Mama Miti. And Mama Miti stands for Mother of Trees. This story is set in Kenya. And it is written by Donna Jo Napoli. And the pictures are by the Caldecott winning um, artist Kadir Nelson. And this is a really interesting story about a, a woman, Wangari Muta Matai. Uh, she was actually the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And what she did is she really encouraged forest forestry uh, and um, planting of trees, all different types, to help combat the deforestation that had taken place in Kenya and the subsequent drought that was occurring there and all of the problems that resulted in that or, or came from that. So she um, did a really great work for her country. She also served on their um, Senate, I believe it was. So we get a lot of history in this book and it's they're not just stories, right? That is correct. Yeah, this talks about a real woman. And really what I love is the power that one woman can have on her culture and her country and really change the situation for good by doing something as simple as planting trees, um, horticulture, and also encouraging others around her to plant trees in their native villages as well. Right. That's amazing. And that's a book that kind of book that can inspire uh, someone today to try to do something similar. Well, thank you so much for all those wonderful recommendations. And we haven't had anyone share any children's books on the podcast before. So um, we're really happy to have a, a wide range of recommendations for our listeners. Happy to be here. Thank you. Okay, so I thought I would start by talking a little bit about um reading poetry, especially for those who aren't familiar with poetry or think, oh, I just hate poetry and, you know, have bad memories from school. Um, I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but you do like to to read some poetry, I know. I you've... don't love it, but I like <laughs> it. And, like, mo- all of the poetry that I'm recommending are novels in verse. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer that. And that's one of my recommendations, Yay. actually. <laughs> so I found a couple of, ar- of good articles about reading poetry online, and we'll post those on Books and Bites um, on the blog page on our website. Um, one of my favorites is a guide to reading a poem from the Scottish Poetry Library, and I wanted to read a couple of their suggestions. So the first one is, don't worry, you might not like the poem. It might do nothing for you. Don't feel under any pressure to like every poem you meet. You won't. And I think that is very true. And people think just because they don't like one poem that they don't like every poem. Right. Yeah. 
it's kind of like I like to think of it kind of like music you know that's just not my jam (laughs) exactly yeah I guess that is a very appropriate way of looking at it I like that Um, and then the next one is relax Um, has the poem got you intrigued but you don't understand it not to worry poems aren't crossword puzzles there's no correct answer a good poem will offer many paths to meander along Um, I think that's also something that people pick up in school that a poem is something to be solved or some code and it really isn't um there are many answers to poems there's not just one correct answer so another suggestion if you're new to poetry and wanting to try it out is to start by reading anthologies that gather poems from different authors that way you can kind of sample some different authors Some are even organized around a particular theme, such as fieldwork, modern poems from Eastern forests, which was edited by University of Kentucky professor and author Eric Reese. And if you're someone like Eden, who likes narrative fiction, Mm -hmm. or even nonfiction, another option is to read novels in verse or biographies in verse. We especially have a lot of these in the teen section. And you'll often find that these books have a plot that propels you forward just as it would in a good novel. Some of my favorite examples of this type of book include Stephanie Hemphill's Wicked Girls, which is a riveting retelling of the Salem witch trials, and Melanie Crowder's book Audacity, which tells the story of labor rights activist Clara Lemlich. I've never read any nonfiction in verse. That's fascinating. I might like nonfiction better that way. Yeah, I mean, most of them are are written more like like fiction, but they're about a nonfiction person. Right. Nice. Okay, so the first book I want to talk about is a book of poetry. Um, It's called Ultima Thule by Davis McCombs. So Kentucky has produced many wonderful poets, and quite a few of them write about the natural world. One of these poets is Davis McCombs, whose first book, Ultima Thule, examines the natural natural world from an unusual perspective, from underground. McCombs is from Kentucky and used to work as a park ranger at Mammoth Cave. The first section of Ultima Thule is a sequence of sonnets from the point of view of Stephen Bishop, a slave of one of the former owners of Mammoth Cave, who not only guided visitors through it, but also discovered miles of passageways. The poems in this section are beautiful and haunting. No one has ever come this far, the speaker says in the title poem. I was drawn to wonder the margins of the map, breath and a heartbeat, a fading lamp. I was coffled to the light. Other poems in the book explore the history and geology of cave country, life on a family farm, and McCombs's experience as a ranger. The language throughout is spare and musical. I first read Ultima Thule a few years ago after visiting Mammoth Cave for the first time. Reading these poems helped me to reflect on Mammoth Cave sites like the Star Chamber and the Tuberculosis Sanitarium, as well as on the cave's history. 
I especially recommend this book if you've been to Mammoth Cave, but if you haven't, you can let McCombs' poems guide you. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I kind of want to check that out when I end up getting to Mammoth Cave one of these days. Oh, have you ever, you've never been? Mm-hmm, no. I yeah, really I like caves and I get a little claustrophobic. <laughs> Well, I think if you pick the right, there right. there yeah. are different caves that you can go in, um, and some of them are huge. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't that interested in going, but my husband really wanted to go, and I was really glad we did. I found it really interesting and much cooler than I thought it was going to be. Very nice. My next book is Sightlines, A Conversation with the Natural World, and it's a book of essays by Scottish poet Kathleen Jamie. Many of the essays focus on archaeology and natural history in rural or even wild locations. For example, Woman in the Field focuses on one of Jamie's first work experiences as a digger on an excavation of a Neolithic hinge in rural Scotland. Three Ways of Looking at St. Kilda describes visiting the remote Scottish island of St. Kilda, where she works with a team to survey the remains of buildings once occupied by the St. Kildan people. No matter the subject, whether it's the aurora borealis, watching killer whales circle seal colonies, or cleaning whale bones in a natural history museum, Jamie attempts to see a complete view of nature, not just the pastoral. In Pathologies, Jamie attends a conference about humanity's relationship with other species and begins to wonder, quote, about nature, mostly, which we were exhorted to reconnect with. What was it exactly, and where did it reside, she asks. She visits a pathology lab where she tours the landscape of a cancerous liver via a microscope. Quote, I was looking down from a great height upon a pink countryside, a landscape, she writes. There was an estuary with a north bank and a south, unquote. She describes looking at different bacteria as, quote, more little journeys to strange new shores, the nature within, nature we'd rather do without, unquote. In precise lyrical language, Jamie shows us the beauty of the nature we'd rather do without. That sounds fantastic. fantastic. (laughs) It gives you a whole other view on nature that you don't really get in most books. Nature is everything. Yeah, um, and that was something that I really liked about it. A lot of times I feel like nature writing can get kind of cliched and you know mm-hmm. writing about trees and yeah. and she really looks at all aspects of nature so the first book that i want to talk about is one of the first poetry books that i ever read and also the first sports book that i ever really enjoyed and that's the crossover by kwame alexander the crossover is an amazing book. It's won so many awards that I don't have time to list all of the awards that it's won. Literally, um, it would probably take five minutes. Um, but the crossover is a novel told in verse, um, and it is about basketball. The main character is a boy named Josh, and Josh is very serious about basketball, about family, and especially about his hair. <laughs> he's a 12-year-old basketball star. He's the son of an international sports icon, and he's in a constant sort of friendly competition with his twin brother, Jordan. But Josh's life isn't all swish and net. 
he gets nervous before games, his dad won't go to the doctor, and his brother is suddenly ignoring him for a girl. So when Josh loses a bet with his brother, he ends up losing more than just a few dreadlocks from his precious hair. He loses his vision and his confidence, and he has to find a way back to his brother's side uh, while managing the stress from his mom and his dad's fights and the pressure of an upcoming basketball tournaments and the overarching um, threat of his dad's failing health. It's told in striking verse and it never gets boring just for that reason. I mean, I don't like sports. I don't play sports. I don't like watching sports. I don't like talking about sports. And I know pretty much nothing about sports. But I loved this book. I read the whole thing in one sitting. Um, Part of the appeal of the book was its cover underneath the dust jacket is it's textured like a basketball. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Um, It's just a very unique book. Um, the poetry is really rhythmic and it, it mirrors the main character's thoughts, his frame of mind, uh, when he's playing, it like has the, the rhythm of, of playing sports. I, I don't know. It's, it's so unique. Um, it's a great story. I didn't want anything more from it. It was, it ended perfectly, um, just the right amount of drama and emotion. And I highly recommend it to any reader who likes sports, whether you're uh, in middle school, high school, an adult, um, I think anyone that has had any experience with sports or wants something that's kind of outside your comfort zone to read, um, you should definitely pick this one up. It's, it's very cool. And, and you don't like sports and do you I like sports. <laughs> I love this book. I've read it twice. I recommend it to pretty much everyone. Um, it's won the Newbery Medal and the Caldecott in the same year. Wow. Like, it's crazy. Um, it's a very quick read. It's, it's very fast. Like I said, I read it in one sitting and it didn't take very long. Oh, wow. wow. I'm, the cover. I just touched the cover. It feels like a basketball. <laughs> it it's so cool. Um, the author has written, he's starting a, a series of these books. His second one is called Booked and it's about, um, kids playing soccer. <laughs> so he's starting a whole series of these verse sports novels that's awesome yeah the second book i want to talk about is another novel in verse it's a debut novel that i read back in 2015 when it came out it's called five to one it's by holly bodger um it's told in alternating points of view one is in poetry and one is in the usual prose And the novel explores a near future, so it is sort of science fiction, Uh, it's about a near future in which gender selection in India has actually led to there being five boys for every girl, hence the title Five to One. The prose sections are captivating, it's very authentic, um, and they're from a young man named Kieran's point of view. He is one of those five boys to every one girl. The poetry is from the girl Sudasa's point of view, and that the alternating between prose and poetry is very jarring. It really sets this book apart from other prose novels, I feel like. It it really puts you in the point of view of these characters in a way that I don't think other writers do. So as far as the story, um, Sudasa is the girl. She's about to come of age, meaning that she, along with many other girls just like her, will watch eight boys compete for her hand in marriage. Kieran is one of those boys who will be in the competition. 
but he has a plan to escape the tests and his inevitable military assignment, as well as the overall oppression of his country. He wants out. Sudasa, on the other hand, struggles against her grandmother's strong and repressive influence. Um, she is she goes along with this whole competition thing because that's what everyone does, but she doesn't like it. Kiran is also battling pressures from the other boys in his testing group, um, and it can sometimes get violent uh, because they are competing for their futures and for their livelihoods. Over the days of trials and judging of this competition, Sudasa comes to realize that Kiran might have another agenda besides trying to win her hand in marriage, even though he's slowly winning the competitions. Meanwhile, Kiran comes to see that Sudasa isn't just a power-hungry woman looking for a male companion to obey her every wish like he's been taught that women are. What these two discover puts them on the verge of changing both their worlds forever. And I'm not going to tell you how it turns out because that would spoil the ending. <laughs> so it's a not so distant future and you can see the possibility of giving too much power to one gender or the other and the negative impact that inequality can have on young people and an entire country. It's a really engaging dystopian novel. Um, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's gender politics and issues are relevant at any time. Definitely. That sounds really interesting. Um, um, I really have enjoyed the YA novels in verse that I've read, so I'm excited to have some new recommendations. Yeah, I, I highly recommend this one. I feel like it would be appealing to any teen reader, but also definitely to any adult reader. It kind of fits in that uh, genre of The Giver and The Handmaid's mm -hmm. Tale, like mm -hmm. classic dystopian. Um, and this one's, it's newer. It's no not a classic by any means but it it definitely is written in that style mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah when you were talking about it it kind of was reminding me of the handmaid's tale mm -hmm. so neither of the books that i chose really had much food in them i neither <laughs> <laughs> so um so I found myself thinking more about beverages than bites with both of these books. Um, so I stumbled on several recipes online for poetry-inspired cocktails. That sounds exciting. Well, it it is but difficult, but um, yeah, they both they both sounded really good, but they all involved a lot of things that I don't have in my rather small minimal liquor cabinet yeah, that's my my least favorite kind of recipe is things that involve a lot of strange and ridiculous ingredients that are expensive and you're never going to use again yes <laughs> um so um i also think that actually reading poetry or even writing it requires too much concentration for alcohol so <laughs> yeah so even though we have this you know I don't know, stereotype of writers who like to imbibe, um, you know, they do have to be sober for some of it. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think reading poetry kind of forces you to slow down, not only because you want to savor the language, but also because a lot of times you have to read the poems more than once. Um, and because she writes with a poet's eye, I felt similar, similarly about Jamie's essays. So I recommend pairing either of the books that I talked about today with a cup of herbal tea. 
Um, there's something about the tea making ritual that really makes you slow down. You have to wait for the water to heat and you ha- you have to steep herbal teas much longer than other teas around 15 to 20 minutes. Um, when I'm doing herbal teas, I often just pick a few herbs from my garden. Um, mint is always invigorating and lemon balm is supposed to be good for relaxation. But if you'd like more specific recipes, we have a couple of books in our collection that can help, and we'll link to those on our blog. That's really awesome. I've purchased many like loose-leaf collections of herbal teas, but I've never made my own. So I'm very interested in that, actually, especially yeah. with farmer's market season starting. I think mm-hmm. our Nicholasville farmer's market starts this Saturday, Oh, that's exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, and and some of these, I looked at some of the books and they, you know, had very specific recipes. Right. I feel like it's something that would be very easy to mess up. But you put in one wrong thing and, and, yeah, you know, know, like you just randomly throw some sage in there and it's going to ruin it. Well, yeah. You never know. I mean, if you're not familiar with herbs and it's been a while (laughs) since I've grown any. So, (laughs) that, yeah, that's true. Um, But I don't know. I think that that's something that has a little forgiveness. And, you know, if the, if your first cup doesn't come out good, you can always do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That's a great recommendation. You can join us for a meeting of the Books and Bites podcast the last Wednesday of every month in the Davis Conference Room. And next month in May, we'll be discussing our favorite sports and exercise books. So come prepared with your own recommendations if you want. We hope to see you there. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his forthcoming album, In Close Quarters with the Enemy. Find more from Scott at palisades.bandcamp.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. We're recording in the Jessamine County Public Library's recording studio, which you can find more about on our website, www.jesspublive.org.